chapter 1, verse 5 is the theme verse for Vacation Bible School. And I want to bring a message this morning entitled, Wisdom When You Need It Most. Does anybody here this morning need wisdom? You facing circumstances in life? That's what I want to address this morning. Wisdom when you need it most. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word, please? Uh, I'm actually going to begin reading at verse 2, and we'll read down through verse 8. James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Father, we thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. That we might know you through a relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, through your written word, you have chosen to give us wisdom that we need for living. Living is a challenge oftentimes. As James has spoken of here, we go through life with All kinds of various trials and tribulation. There are many times in life that we come to that proverbial fork in the road. And we don't know which path to take. And your word tells us that you will direct our steps if we will but look to you. God, we, we don't need the wisdom of the world. We've, we've already discovered where the wisdom of the world takes us. And it's a dead-end path. We need your wisdom that leads to abundant life. God, speak to us today about that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're familiar with the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, then you're acquainted with the story of the death of King David. We know that when King David dies... His son Solomon becomes king in his place. And as Solomon's rule is established, God reveals himself to Solomon on one occasion and says, Solomon, I want to give you an invitation. I want to give you an invitation to ask for anything. Whatever you ask for, I will give it to you. And the Bible says that Solomon said, God, you've made me king over this great people and this great nation. And there's one thing that I've simply got to have. I've got to have wisdom to lead your people. The Bible says that God was pleased that King Solomon asked for wisdom. And he, and he revealed himself again to Solomon and said, Because you did not ask selfishly for wealth or status, I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you wealth as well. Well, we know how that played out. The first encounter that Solomon had that he was called upon to exercise wisdom and to give a judgment, there were two women that came before Solomon. 
And the Bible says that these two women were prostitutes. And they came before Solomon and they had one baby. And one of the mothers was saying, he's my child. He's my child and and she's stolen him from me. I woke up in the night and my baby was gone and she has my baby. And the other woman disputes that and she, she says, no, this is not her child. This is my child. And so you had a... a uh, not a he said, she said, but a she said and she said type story. And they're going back and forth. And uh, Solomon's sitting there thinking, how in the world can I know whose child this is? I can't know this. And so he asked for the baby and he asked for a sword to be bought, uh, brought to him. And they said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to cut the child in half. And I'm going to give half of the baby to one of you and half to the other. The real mother said, no, don't do that. Give the child to the other woman. Let the child live. But the other woman said, no, do exactly what you propose. Kill the child. Solomon said, give the baby to the first mother, the one who wants him to live. She's his mother. And the Bible tells us that from then on, all of Israel was astounded with the amount of wisdom that God had given to King Solomon. Now folks, as we come to our text today, we see that it is no, not just somebody like Solomon who needs wisdom. We all need wisdom as we journey through life. We all face scenarios and circumstances in life that we get to the end of our rope. We don't know the answer. We don't know what to do. And the Bible tells us that we are to call out to God and we're to ask Him for wisdom and we're to trust Him. Now let's see how that plays out today. First of all, I want you to notice with me a common lack. A common lack. James mentions that in, in verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Now folks, we know that human life is fragile. James is going to say in chapter 4 that life is but a vapor. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. And age means nothing at all. I mean, just read the obituary sometime and you'll notice that young and old both alike die. But even if we live, we know that life is fragile. We don't see tomorrow. We are finite creatures. And I'll go even further than that. Even when we're walking with God, there are times in life that we often lack understanding. I think of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas and Timothy are on a a missionary journey. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that they have gone through the region of Galatia. And they're at Mysia and they're trying to go down to Bithynia. And the Bible says they kept trying to go that direction and they found the door blocked. The Holy Spirit was not allowing them to go that direction. And that night in the in a vision, he got the vision of the Macedonian man saying, come over here and help us. And Paul concluded by that, he woke up and he concluded that God was calling them westward and that's the direction that they went. But my point is, here is a man of God, here is somebody walking in fellowship with God and he's doing the will of God and yet he came up against a brick wall and he did not know what to do. 
I mean, we can be in the will of God. We can be living in fellowship with God and yet still face those scenarios in life that quite frankly are beyond us and we don't know which direction to turn. Here was the Apostle Paul uh, facing that. And what did God do? God gave him direction in his life. Folks, what am I saying? I'm saying that all of us need God's wisdom. All of us could give illustrations of times in our lives when we didn't know what to do. In fact, sometimes even in prayer, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it says sometimes we get down on our knees. We know that, that we need to be praying about something. There's a great burden on our hearts. Or maybe somebody has come to you and they've, they've related to you some need that they have in their life. And they're saying, would you pray with me about this? And you get down on your knees and you begin praying about that matter and you say God I honestly don't know your will in this matter I don't know exactly what to pray for so and so has asked me to pray for them I don't know exactly what I should be asking or maybe there's a need in your own life and you say God you know I could argue it this way or that way I just don't know what to do well the Bible says at a time like that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and he makes intercession for us and he gives us wisdom James 1 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom Now the context of that verse is the trials that he's been speaking of in verse 2. He's pointed out that life is full of trials and there's big trials in life and little trials in life. Life is dotted with trials. And through those trials, God is trying to develop character and maturity and patience in us so that we will be complete and lacking in nothing. And then in the next verse, verse 5, James brings up this thought of lacking again. I mean, God is bringing us through scenarios so that we won't lack, but when we get in the midst of those scenarios, we find ourselves lacking a, a whole bunch. And so that's just exactly where we are a lot of times in life. Some of you are there today. You look at some aspect of your life right now. Uh, Maybe you've lost your job. And and there's a lack in that sense in your life. You don't know what you're going to do next. Maybe there's some trial you're going through in your marriage. Maybe there's some trial you're going through. You found out something about a child this week that is devastating or a loved one that's devastating or, or you've got a loved one facing something. So many scenarios that we could come up with that you might be seated here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I'm at the end of my rope. Does God have a word for me? Well, the Bible says there is no lack in God. There might be lack or shortcoming in you and me, but there is no lack in God. And we're to turn to Him. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 3.20 that when we turn to Him, we find a God that's able to do far exceedingly above anything that we could ever even ask or think. But what do you do in life when you face this lack, this shortcoming? You're to turn to Him. And I want you to see, secondly, a divine resource. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. We are to ask God. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, that we're to cast all of our care upon God, knowing that He cares for us. Folks, aren't you glad of that? 
that when we face all of these shortcomings in life simply because we're human, we're weak, we're frail, that when we go before God, we go before one who knows everything and has all power. We've looked at a passage before. I want to invite you to turn to again with me this morning. Psalm 139. It is a psalm of David. And I want you to notice what David is saying in this psalm about what God knows. In Psalm 139, he says, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me uh, be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What does God know? God knows everything. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. We encounter trials and tribulation and situations in our lives that we don't know what to do because we're finite. But James says at a time like that, we can go before an infinite God and He knows what all the right solutions are. There's no lack with God. Not only does He know, but He has all power. He's an omnipotent God. He's the God who was able to take His Son who died on the cross and and was laid in the tomb. And on the third day, He raised Him to life again. He's the God that when the children of Israel had their backs against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was coming, God opened the sea and He made a way for, uh, for them when there seemed to be no way. So God is all wise. He's all knowing. He's all powerful. He also loves us. That verse I just referred to in 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon Him, knowing that He cares for us. Psalm 103 says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities us. And David goes on to say, He's not going to chide us. You know what chide means? When we go before God, relying on His divine resources to supply our need, When we go before Him, He's not going to chide us. He's not going to rebuke us. He's not going to say, you loser, you're pathetic. I've been trying to tell you this. You won't listen to me. He he doesn't do that. He loves us with an everlasting love. And so God has all wisdom, all power, and all love. Folks, what am I saying? I'm, I'm, I'm asking a question this morning. Is God a resource for His people? Absolutely. And so what are we to do? What are we to do? 
Seeing that we have this divine resource, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask of God. Now, James 4 lays down some qualifications for us as we ask. We can't go before God and ask for selfish things. He says a a lot of times people just go before God and and they want to ask for selfish things, material things, just so they can get whatever they want and consume it upon their own lust. And James says uh, we we shouldn't think that God's going to answer that kind of prayer. 1 John 5 says we shouldn't ask for things that we know are outside of the scope of God's will. We have no right to ask God for anything that we know is not going to glorify His name. And so James is not saying you you can just go and, and, and ask for anything at all that you might want in your lust because that would be ruin for many of us. But the Bible is saying when we need wisdom, when we're committed to doing God's will and we want to follow God and we want to glorify Him, we can go before God and say, God, what would you have me to do? And God will give you and me the direction that we need. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Lean not on your own understanding, but but trust God in all of your ways, and He will direct your paths. Now, folks, let me say something about wisdom at this point. Do you realize that uh, praying for wisdom and Bible study go hand in hand? A lot of the things that we're asking God for, uh, for direction, if we knew the Scripture, if we knew the Word of God and would simply search out the Scripture, we would have many of the answers that we need. And so wisdom and Bible study go together. We need to be in the Word of God. That's why it's so important to have a daily devotion time, a time that you're in the Scripture and you're constantly growing in your knowledge of the Word of God because as you're growing in the knowledge of the Word of God and you face various scenarios in your life and say, God, what should I do? You'll know from your study of Scripture oftentimes what it is that you ought to be doing. God reveals that to us through His Word. Proverbs 2.6 says that the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them on on Your truth. Your Word is truth. Now notice not only does God promise to give wisdom, but we're told that God is generous in doing so. Notice what James goes on to say here. He says, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. He gives generously or liberally. Now that word has two meanings. Uh, one, one meaning is to, to stretch out. God stretches out or spreads out his table of wisdom before us. It's the picture of lavishness. I'm, uh, you see in the bulletin this morning that friendly neighbors are having a luncheon here on Tuesday. The friendly neighbors, if you've ever been to a friendly neighbor's luncheon, you know it is a lavish spread. Best eaten in Cabarrus County the Tuesday that they eat and have a potluck luncheon. I've never gone away from the friendly neighbor's luncheon hungry, or I've never appeared there at the luncheon and say, Pastor, you know, we only have one kernel of corn or one green bean to give to you today. It's always a lavish spread. 
It's, it's set out there before us. The staff loves to get that invitation, that standing invitation to go to the friendly neighbor's lunch. And because it is such a lavish spread and there's such gracious abundance there. Well, the Bible is saying that's how God's wisdom is. Here we are in life. We don't know what to do. There's that common lack that just goes with being human. We don't know which direction to take. We go to God who provides that divine resource. We ask Him what we need to do. We trust Him. And the Bible says He gives us His wisdom lavishly. Not only does it have the sense of lavishly, but it has the sense of singly. In other words, God is not playing games with us. God doesn't hide behind one door and say, Oh, I'm over here, and then we go that direction. He appears somewhere else. Ha, 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 played tricks on you, fooled you. I'm over here. He he answers us straightforwardly. He answers us plainly. Boy, so oftentimes we complicate God's answers and God's words, don't we? But God gives them plainly and straightforwardly. Jesus said the same thing in Luke chapter 11. Jesus said, if you earthly fathers have a son who asks you for a fish, you don't turn around and give him an eel. Or if he asks for bread, you don't give him a flat rock that looks like a a piece of bread. You don't play deceptive games with your kids. And so neither does God. God gives generously. God gives graciously. He doesn't reproach. He doesn't insult. Aren't you glad That that's the kind of God that we serve. Third thing I want you to notice, verse 6 says, talks about a stated condition. Verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. We're to ask in faith. Now, folks, the, the, the word faith is found uh, 16 times in the book of James. Now, let me put that in perspective for you a little bit. From the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, you know how many times the word faith is used? Two times. Two times. You come to five chapters of the book of James in the New Testament, and the word faith is used 16 times. Sixteen times. Eight times as much in the book of James as in all of the Old Testament. That kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? The book of Hebrews reminds us that without faith it is impossible to please God. And so faith is not just a good idea. It's not just a good suggestion. It is absolutely essential as we approach God. Hebrews 11 goes on to tell us why. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're to ask in faith. Now, when James says, ask in faith without doubting, you might be thinking, what, can I not have any kind of honest questions at all? Can I not even go to God with my honest questions? But folks, that's not what James is getting at at all. What James is referring to is when you go before God and ask for God's wisdom and direction, but you're going with the attitude, God, if you show me your way, I'm going to lay down your way up against my way and what everybody else is telling me and what the world is telling me. And you know, you, you, 
your way will kind of be judged along, uh, alongside all the others. And I might go your way or I might not go your way. You know, I'll just consider your way as an option. James says such a man is, is not going to get an answer for, from God. He's like a, a man driven uh, like a wave uh, tossed by the, the wind out on the ocean. Uh, James loves themes from nature. He talks about the wind. He talks about the sun. He talks about the grass, the flowers, horses, birds, sea creatures, figs, olives, grapevines, and rain. He, he must have been an outdoorsman. But James says that man is like a wave. At at first a gust of wind comes along and carries him this direction. Then a gust of wind comes along, carries him another direction. He's just tossed back and forth here and there by the different opinions of men and by the culture, whatever the popular opinion tends to be at that time. Remember what the prophet Elijah said on Mount Carmel to the prophets of Baal and to all Israel? How long are you going to halt between two opinions? If God is God, serve Him. If Baal's God, serve Him. How long are you going to try to straddle the fence? Well, James is saying here that a fence straddler type man is not going to receive anything from the Lord. That's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if that's why a lot of times our prayers aren't answered. Because we do go before God with that mindset. God, I want to know your answer, but Joe over here is telling me this, and Bill over here is telling me this. I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'm going to make up my mind which direction I'm going to go. And God says, no, I'm I'm not playing that game with you. I'm, I'm I'm not getting involved with that. If you want my wisdom, my direction in life, you've got to be committed to doing things my way. God, I'm at the end of my rope, and whatever you show me to do, I'm going to do it. If it costs me everything, I'll give it. If I have to give up a friend to do your will, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll do it. Just show me your wisdom. God says, that's the kind of commitment I'm waiting on. And he lays his path out before us. You know who I think of? I think of Peter. Lord, if it's you, call me out on the waves to follow you. Jesus called him out and he, and he made that commitment. He stepped out in faith. What would we do many times? We'd say, now God, let's, let's just talk about this a little while. Give me time to get my little floaties on. But what would Peter do? Peter stepped out in faith. God called him out of the boat. James is saying, ask God, trust Him, and when He shows you the direction to take, step out in faith. Folks, we need more Christians like that in churches today. Amen? God, give me wisdom. They've asked me to teach Sunday school. I really ought to do it. I feel led to do it. But God, at the same time, I kind of want to have my weekends open to be free to go to the lake. Or to do whatever I want to do. Folks, if you're really wanting God to show you, then be committed to stepping out and trusting God, even if it's the answer at first that you didn't really expect or didn't even want. Because God's answers are going to be good answers. Look at James 1.17. James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. All of God's gifts are good. 
We never have to wonder if I go before God and ask for God's direction, God gives me His wisdom, that God's direction, God's wisdom is going to be second best for my life. No, it's never going to be second best. Never. It'll always be the best thing. Amen? God God doesn't do one thing one day in our lives and turn around and do some other thing and, 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 and we never know which is best or not. God is not like a group of behavioral scientists I read about one time. They got a little white, uh, white mouse in, in a maze and they were running that mouse around trying to get him to find the way to the trap door. He finally found the way to the trap door and he would push open a little door with his snout and on the other side of that door was a piece of cheese. And so he learned to run that maze pretty well until he would push open the door and every time get a piece of cheese. And one day those scientists decided we're going to play a trick on him. He pushed that little door open and instead of finding there a piece of cheese, they blasted him uh, with, with a blast of cold water. Scared the poor little fellow to death. Well, then they decided sometimes he'd push that little door open and he'd get the cheese. Sometimes he'd push that door open and they'd give him the blast of cold water. They said in that report, finally, that little, they, they caused that little mouse to have a nervous breakdown. He sat over in the corner of that maze and he got to where he wouldn't even run the maze anymore and he literally starved to death. Folks, as we go before God asking for wisdom, He's not going to give us the cheese one time and the blast of cold water the next. God is consistent in His gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights in whom there is no shifting shadows. His gifts are good. And so we're to go in faith, sold out that whatever He shows us is the direction we're going to go in life. Amen? So here we are in life. We lack. We're finite. We're weak. We're faced with temptation. We don't know what to do. We go before God. He's that divine resource who's promised wisdom uh, liberally. But we've got to trust. We've got to trust that the answer He gives us is the right answer. We've got to be committed to following it. I wonder if I'm talking to somebody this morning that you're at the end of your rope. You can certainly relate to a situation of lack. Maybe you're going through something right now in your life that you're saying, Pastor, these verses in James 1 are for me today because I'm going through something in my life that I've been struggling over and I haven't known what to do. I've, I've just really been struggling. I don't even know how to ask. Go before God and ask. Sell out to Him in everything. Say, God, whatever it is that you want, I want to do. I want to be committed to following you. I turn this situation over to you. I turn my marriage over to you. I turn my work over to you. I turn my finances over to you. I turn my relationships over to you. God, I'm turning this trial over to you. I've proven to myself that I don't know what to do. And I don't always make the right decision. And so, God, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to show me which way to go. Trust Him to do so. And He will. But I want you to notice this is a promise for God's children. If you don't even know God through faith in Jesus Christ, you need to come to Jesus Christ through repentance of your sins and faith in Christ. 
So your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll be God's child. There are a lot of people running around in the world want to claim verses like this and they don't even belong to God. These are promises for His kids. Become His child this morning. If you've never trusted Christ, do that today. Turn your life over to Christ. Commit your ways to Him. Say, God, I'm tired of going through life, living life on my own. Trying to be my own boss and Lord. I've made a mess out of things. I need you to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. What you did at Calvary's cross, make it count for me. I want forgiveness of my sins to be washed in the blood of Christ. I give you my heart and life. You make that decision today. Maybe you need a church home, a place where you can study the Scripture and and pray with other believers and find encouragement that way. We would love to be your church home. Maybe somebody needs to come publicly this morning to the altar and just say, God, I'm at that situation he's described this morning. I'm at the end of my rope. I need wisdom. And Lord, I need it right now. I need your direction. Would you show me what to do and trust God to show you? Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you've promised here wisdom when we need it most. Lord, you're such a kind and a gracious God. You give generously and liberally without reproaching, without insulting. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, gives us wisdom and counsel and peace. Lord, you know everything about us. You're omniscient. There's nothing that is hidden from your eyes. There's no mystery with you. You know the answers that we need. Sometimes I think you're just allowing us to get to the end of our rope before we look up to you. And you're saying, my child, what's taking you so long? I thank you that you will give peace and direction if we'll only seek it. Father, I pray for that one this morning who needs that peace and direction and comfort. That they would sense your sustaining power with them. That they would sell out unreservedly to you today. That they'd say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to give this to you just in part. And trying to figure out the other part for myself. It's not working. I'm trying to listen to the world. And I'm trying to listen to you. I'm trying to choose both ways. It's not working. God I commit myself to you. To your answers for my life. God I know that you will move into that person's life. In a special way. And lead them. I pray for that one this morning. Who needs a relationship with Christ. That today. The second week in July of 2010 would be the day they would look back upon and say, that was the day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Lord, work in the hearts of your people according to your way and your will as we're yielded here in this time of invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.